I would say that never before in my lifetime, I'm very young, of course, have I ever been given so much opportunity to grow and to be a part of something that is changing the way we consume entertainment. That's Lindsay Kolker. She's a member of our publicity team. Lindsay and her public relations teammate, Don Holcomb, join us to talk about their work here at Netflix. You know, we chat about publicity campaigns for some of our large originals like Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things, and even our documentary Virunga, which receives an Oscar nomination. Public relations is all about presenting the right message. Some would say controlling the message. And at most companies, it's probably managed by a bit of a committee, but not here. It's surprising how much freedom these two people have. It's kind of a given that Netflix is changing the entertainment industry, but how we are doing that is the real story. We talk about how our culture of transparency, personal initiative, and risk-taking has changed both Lindsay and Dawn. I'm Lyle Troxell. My co-host is Michael Paulson, and this is We Are Netflix. So can you clarify, Dawn, Lindsay, what the differences are between your roles? I'm focused on multi-title publicity support. So I'm working with teams that are putting together junkets. Um, We're participating in festivals. We just came back from New York Comic Con. So we're building sort of an overarching uh, narrative and then bringing our titles to events or creating events that ultimately tell these stories. We also focus a lot on some of the multi-title content narratives. What are some of the content narratives that um, are a result of some of the strategy bets that we're making as a team? Can you make an example of that? When you mean multi-titles, give me an example. So most recently, our team uh, put together a Netflix and Chills narrative. You'll probably see a lot of coverage recently that talks about some of the Halloween content that you can find on Netflix. So what our team does as well is builds a story around what we have to offer. And it goes out to like thousands of different outlets within the United States and even beyond that. Our team is focused specifically on the UCAN region. So the US, Canada and Australia, New Zealand. All right. And so Don, can you give us some examples of what you do? Yeah, I lead what uh, we call a content communications pod. Um, And my team is focused on corporate communications as it relates to our content and our content executives. So we support execs in the content organization like Ted Sarandos, Cindy Holland, Lisa Nishimura. You support them doing what? It consists of executive communications, which is speeches, remarks, briefings, and talking points. You know, we're heavily involved in things like TCA that are industry-facing opportunities for our executives. We also do deal announcements, which usually consist of new series announcements, renewals, cancellations, and then there's also a separate film team that does this. So my team's focused on series, and then there's an equivalent team that does this on film. So it sounds like you guys cover quite a bit of content here. Uh, do you think you could walk us through a couple of your favorite campaigns? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, our first one is probably a campaign we worked on together. Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Ooh, that's one um, of our very first originals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it was our first campaign really working on it together here. Yeah. It started bumpy, I would say. Maybe bumpy is not quite the right (laughs) word, but we were still letting people know what Netflix was. This was like shortly after House of Cards had launched. And it was not an easy pitch. Like Mm -hmm. Lindsay and I were working so hard and we loved the show. We thought it was really creative and really different from everything that was out there. Mm -hmm. But try pitching a dramedy about prison in the summer 
and people were just scratching their heads. Like, we don't really know <laughs> what to make of this. Like, there's a character called Crazy Eyes and Penzatucky, and like, what the hell is this? So it was hard. At the time, Don was actually not a, uh, an employee of Netflix. We had hired him as a consultant to work with us. Um, he was based out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it it's true. I mean, it was a lot of like really educating people on what Netflix was and also what made this show so special. So a lot of the legwork that we had done prior to the show launching really helped set us up for success because we had done a lot of that educating about our talent, about the real life story that was an inspiration behind the series. And then once the show hit the service, it just, you know, catapulted from there. And um, we really had to learn how to manage the volume. That was Mm -hmm. kind of our first foray into managing volume. I'd say that like never in my career had I worked on a show that had so much goodwill towards it. And it was a really exciting time for us to be a part of um, of Netflix and a show like this that was really impacting the world in such profound ways. Yeah, it really became a phenomenon. And what was amazing is that we had um, written our strategy with some really big picture goals in mind. You always put things in your strategy that you think just are impossible, but you want to aim for. Mm -hmm. And by the end of um, the publicity for that first season, Mm -hmm. we really had checked every box that we had imagined. And that was absolutely an incredible feeling. And I think too, what was interesting is never before had I built a strategy. And then like immediately after it had launched, built a phase two strategy and a phase three strategy because there was so much that had kind of changed for us after it hit the service that we really wanted to figure out how to keep that momentum going. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of times zeitgeist content is lightning in a bottle, but you have to be prepared for it because it it can be very overwhelming. And I think in our experience here, we've worked on quite a bit of that with Stranger Things Mm -hmm. and, you know, The Crown and 13 Reasons Why. Mm -hmm. So really being proactive about um, about those campaigns. When Orange the New Black comes out, you say you was just an amazing amount of volume. What does volume look like to you? Are you talking about uh, newspapers and publications companies talking to you and asking you for things? Yeah, the the desire for our talent and our content was just so high. And there were like two of us, I guess three of us. And so managing that when you have a cast of 16 plus series regulars um, is is a lot. Um, we were a very small but mighty team. And you did mention that Don was a contractor. Is it common for us to hire as a contractor first before we hire a staff? Or is this just early days where we weren't sure the growth rate we're going to have? It absolutely is. I mean, it definitely was early days and we weren't necessarily seeing the trajectory at the time as to how big we would get. But it's very common to work with people and then ultimately bring them in-house. Dawn was somebody that Karen and I had both um, admired and respected from our days when we were working at Sony. And um, it was a definitely a, a, a sell. We needed. We were recruiting him very, very hard to come over here. And once we did, it was the Don Halcom day. Um, I remember when he he set foot. It was oh, this is the Don Halcom day. It's really smart because I did not want to leave Chicago yeah. and move to Los Angeles. I really loved living there, and so uh, initially I had, I had resisted. Um, and said, no, you know, if you ever want to open a Chicago office for Netflix, I'm your first guy, but like not interested. And then Karen called me in the dead of winter in the middle of the polar vortex <laughs> and, <laughs> 
And um, I, you know, I changed my mind. I, I was sitting there, you know, as I'm scraping the ice off the inside <laughs> of my car windshield going, you know what? I think I've had about enough of this. And so, yeah, she was really smart in her timing. And I'd actually just the day before thought about, you know, Netflix is really fun and really exciting. And I, I, I might miss an opportunity if I don't go work with them. Mm-hmm. So besides for just opportunity, was the move worth it? Are you now happier now that you're in L.A. than you were in Chicago? And you don't have to deal with the freezing winters? Or the frozen (laughs) mat on your floor for four months? I lived in Montana. I had the exact same experience. (laughs) I understand. Um, Certainly the weather is better. So there's that. Um, am I happier? I don't know. Happy to me is always such a, uh, a balancing act. Like there's aspects that you're happier with. There's aspects you're not happier with. That's just life. But certainly I haven't looked back since I got here. And there's never been a boring day. Not for one moment. <laughs> like I've been um, challenged and excited every single day. How, how have you been challenged? Give me some examples of, of challenges that have hit your teams. Well, I think the challenges change over time. You know, the challenges that we had in launching Orange is the New Black are not the same challenges that we face today. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were doing that, people still didn't really know what Netflix was. And so that was a big part of our challenge was just educating people about what streaming television was and what it meant to launch all episodes at once. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now the challenges are more about helping people understand the international side of our business Mm -hmm. um, and all the different types of content that we're producing, including series and films and docs and stand-up comedy, um, limited series. Um, So it's just evolved over time, I would say. You ask about challenges. Like, I'm going to get really deep here. I think that Netflix has taught me so much more than information about a job. The things that I've taken away from this company when it comes to facing adversity, when it comes to having difficult conversations, when it comes to change, when it comes to juggling a lot of different priorities has taught me so much. And I came from, I was a tennis player growing up. I played on a scholarship in college and I used to think that like playing a professional, a semi-professional sport um, really taught me about my life, but it doesn't hold a candle to what this place has done. What kind of growth have you had as an individual that was challenging here? Um, so much. Um, I'd say that the person that I was coming into Netflix is an entirely different person than the person I am now. Um, I'm much more um, emotionally mature and adept at handling confrontations and um, difficulties that would previously rile me up. Is that just about being a little older or is there something else here that's affected the way you think about the world? I'd say it's probably a combination of both. I'd say even though I've gotten older here, it wasn't until maybe two years ago that I didn't, that I started to really feel the impact of some of the challenges I was experiencing and how good they were for me. I think when you're in um, situations when there's changes or difficult conversations, you don't always see it at the moment. It can feel a little like, oh, gosh, I'm just, you know, what is it? Why can't I do this right, right? Or I'm sick of hearing the same feedback over and over again. And ultimately, you kind of come through and see like, oh, yeah, like that was for me. That was that was for my blind spots. That was to make me better. Give me one of those that that changed. Like it was hard to see. You got the feedback a few times. What were we talking about here? (laughs) Um, I would say that um, I have been given in my career feedback around my EQ. 
And it took my boss telling me again, like probably a year ago, and I was so sick of it. I was so sick of hearing it, and I didn't really understand it until finally I did. And I was like, I'm going to change. Like, I'm sick of hearing the same thing. And so it's being a more empathetic and present, mindful, understanding leader and manager that I think is really important to the success of your team. Um, and as we get bigger, it just continues to change and evolve. Everything is changing and evolving, and you just kind of have to change and evolve with it. So what you're saying is Netflix not only gives you the feedback for you to change, but also kind of gave you the space and the time for you to be able to make those changes in your life. Exactly. Yeah. Don, did you see this change in Lindsay? Yeah, I've definitely seen change in Lindsay over time. Absolutely. And I think that's true for me, too. Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that's interesting about both of us is that neither of us are in the same role that mm -hmm. we were when we started here. You know, we started here as show publicists, and now Lindsay does multi-titles, and I do corporate. And one thing that Netflix is great at is identifying opportunities for growth and change. Even if you don't see the opportunity yourself, somebody else is going to spot it and go, hey, have you ever thought about X? Or mm -hmm. I feel like you're really good at Y. Do you want to try that? And so both both of us have been open to trying new things and, um, and have done so. And I don't think you get that in most other places. They sort of put you in a box. What's interesting about that is it's very scary to try something new because what we're doing is not traditional. Part of it is like the unknown, like what is it like in there? And is my work and my, my skill set going to be um, valued or easily transferred over to this company? But it's also another thing like when you try new things at this company because I'm on my fourth role here and I have to say that each role I've taken on has made me far more fearless. Um, it's very scary to take on a new role that you're unfamiliar with, but now I find myself desiring it, um, craving it, wanting to solve problems in a different way. And it's a really good feeling when you're able to take on new opportunities and not take them on with fear, but take them on with confidence and take them on with, I don't know, like the unknown. And there's a lot of unknown here, but it's that's kind of what is exciting. Don, you were representing shows in NPR and public relations mm -hmm. for a show, and then you moved into helping out execs and people speak from the company's perspective. Why were you a good fit for that? And what kind of thing happened for you in switching that kind of direction in your career? You know, I think one of the reasons that um, this role has been a good fit, and I'll, I'll tell you, I was the first person who was like, huh, I've never done that before. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I'm going to like it. But I think I have always loved TV. Like, I'm a maniac, and at 12 years old, I was reading trade magazines about <laughs> television. So working at this company is a dream come true. Like, when I think about that kid who was 19 years old at college just wanting to work in TV, the opportunity to work somewhere like here, where there's so much to work on, was just like that would have blown my mind. So what I love about this role is that I get to touch all the different content and all the different executives and their teams. It's so broad. And I really find that I enjoy that so much more than just having that like one show that I'm working on. I mean, it was never one show, mm -hmm. let's be clear. But I do like the breadth of this role. I don't have a lot of depth, like I don't go deep on everything, but I do touch a lot of different departments, which I really like. So when, when Ted's going to go speak somewhere, at some conference or something. What have you done to help him prep 
we usually put together a briefing document that has some of the logistical information, like who are you talking to? Who's the audience? What time do you need to be there? What do you need to wear? Um, and then also some talking points, like what do we think the questions are going to be? Uh, what's the most recent sources of information to be able to answer them accurately? Um, and that's what it's we like do. It's like a presidential yeah. brief. <laughs> Don, have you, have you messed up yet? Oh my god, I mess up every day. <laughs> yeah. Explain. I think that's part I think that's part of working here is that a lot of what we're doing is so new and you have to have a certain level of comfort with with failure, honestly, and being able to honestly assess when you have failed or when you haven't lived up to your own um expectations. Um, that's one of the coolest things I think about working here is that you just have to be honest about your vulnerabilities and about when you miss the mark. Um, it's not that we expect that nobody will ever screw up. Like people screw mm-hmm. up. That's just like part of life and part of work. But what's different here is that we try and be honest about assessing those moments and learning from them. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's this perspective in the world that it's scary to work here. And then if you mess up, you're out. There is definitely a fear of failure. Um, we're all very high challenge people. We want the A plus. Like the A is not good enough. We want that plus. So I do think of us um, in those terms. But but the way I really think about it is uh, that we're a brave culture. So it's not that fear doesn't exist. The fear is there, but you act anyway. And even though there's ambiguity and you're not sure if you're right, you're going to find the strength and the courage inside yourself to, to move things forward regardless. I was just going to add that um, I think that as we get bigger, it's really relative to the person. I think as a society, we are programmed to, be, to, to deal with fear. It's that fight or flight. And I think the, the, the good thing about this culture is you never know, you're, you never don't know where you stand. You know, at other companies I've worked at, it's very not direct, you know, oh, well, we're going to let you go because we're, you know, we're doing, uh, we have to do layoffs. But like, you don't really get to the bottom of why you're being laid off or why you're the person. And I feel like here you really understand what you need to do to be better but I would say it's all relative because everybody is absorbing and processing the culture in their own unique way, and that's totally okay. And sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't, and I just think we have to all acknowledge that. What kind of people are we looking for here at Netflix? I would say risk takers. I would say people who are passionate you have to love your job, right? Like we spend so much time working that um, you better love what you do. And so we want people who are going to be in love with working here and excited about the unknown and leaning into risk and knowing that it's okay to fail and able to juggle many different things and wanting to be better. The two things I look for most are one, passion. You have to love it. And two, and this is something that's m- much harder to find because um, a lot of people say they're excited about working here or mm-hmm. excited about TV and film. But the other thing that I look for is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has that. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when we go to work, we put on our work face. There's a face that you give to your coworkers that's different from the face you give to your you know, family and your friends and like all of that. And I think here what I'm always trying to do is not put on the work face. Like I'm trying to have like Netflix Don just be Don. 
And that's different from anywhere else I've ever worked. Like here, you know, I try to be open about when I don't know something or be open about when I feel like somebody's being defensive or, you know, and just try and be real with people. And sometimes in the interview process, it's, it's hard to get real with people. And I understand why, because when you go into an interview, of course you're, you know, it's a presentation, Mm -hmm. but I try and like have real conversations with people, um, in those interviews so I can understand whether they're able to let down that sort of work face. So, Mm -hmm. so you want not only people that can be real and get rid of the work face when they're actually working here, but even in the interview process, that's a lot to ask of somebody. I think it's a lot to ask because we're not preconditioned to be that, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think, I do believe that we look for the most authentic people, right? Salesy is not our culture, Mm -hmm. but authenticity is. And that means it's okay to say when you feel overwhelmed or to ask for help. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my time here is that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and it's okay because there's so many smart people here and I think it can be really intimidating to feel like you're asking for something that maybe you're expected to know. Okay. What's been really exciting? You talked a little bit about the funness of Orange is New Black when it first launched. But let's talk about some more stories about like things you're really proud of doing here. Another campaign is Stranger Things. That's been a big, um, exciting cultural phenomenon. Don actually started working on it and then I took it over from him. Um, <laughs> I hated giving it up. I was so sad to give it up, but there was no one I would rather give it up to than Lindsay. I I would also oh you're sweet. <laughs> I would also say that um the moment that we were acknowledged by the T V Academy as qualifying for the T V category, that was a big exciting moment because we were changing history. We were making history. Then when we were nominated and then when we've actually won, that was a real exciting um, opportunity. I'd also say that launching Netflix and other parts of the world has been a really exciting, interesting experience. Going into another territory, educating them on our strategy, talking to press, learning about those cultures and those people. And then, you know, down the line, walking in our co-workers' footsteps in different parts of the world where Netflix is not as well known, right? We're still growing ourselves in, in India and, you know, in, uh, in other parts of Latin America and Eastern Europe. So I'd say those are some exciting moments in my career. Yeah, and I would point to two of mine. One would be our Oscar campaign for the documentary Virunga a couple of years ago. I, you know, I came to Netflix having only worked in unscripted television and docs, so there was a certain level of comfort for me, but certainly had never worked on an Academy Award campaign. And so to have the opportunity to do that on a film that I found really personally meaningful um, and a group of filmmakers that are just second to none. And by the way, subsequently went on to win an Academy Award for Mm -hmm. their next film, which I couldn't have been um, prouder of for them. Um, The White Helmets. The White Helmets. That's right. That was Netflix's first Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really incredible. And then the second, I would say helping the team with uh, the launch of Japan. 
Mm. Uh, when we launched in Japan and going to Tokyo with some of our talent and being a part of that whole launch experience and getting to understand a little, a little bit, really only a little bit, about Japanese culture and Japanese business. Um, and, of course, then singing karaoke all night. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you guys to um, imagine you've got a candidate in front of you who's really amazing and you want to bring them aboard. What are you going to say to them? What, what, to just talk to them directly right now of why it's awesome to do what you guys are doing. I would say that never before in my lifetime, I'm very young, of course, have (laughs) I ever been given so much opportunity to grow and to be a part of something that is changing the way we consume entertainment. Um, And I'd say that the freedom you have here, while the company is getting bigger um, and, and evolving, the freedom to make decisions really lies in the people closest to the work, and that is liberating. Don, what do you say to a candidate in an interview that really promotes uh, the business and working here? One of the things that I do highlight when I'm talking to candidates is just the support I've received here at Netflix. You know, we give a lot to our jobs. Like, I think that's pretty well known inside the company and out. You know, we work really hard. But I will say everything I've given to this company, I have received in return. Mm -hmm. And that feels different from other places where I've worked. Again, like going deeper, getting super personal. My dad passed away earlier this year. And I was able to take as much time as I needed away from the office. My boss was like... Um, just turn on your out of office and go. And I think other places wouldn't have necessarily been quite as supportive. It's like, okay, you get X number of days for bereavement and that's what you get. And it wasn't like that here. It was like, take the time that you need. Let us know when you're ready to come back. And that was so freeing and really helped me clear my head and focus on what I needed to focus on. And so that's something I don't necessarily share that specific story with every person I talk to, but, um, but I think it is indicative of the culture of support that I've encountered here at every step of the way. Do you guys, do you guys take enough vacation? God, I would always love more vacation. (laughs) I'll be honest. I haven't taken a vacation this year and I feel it. I haven't for personal reasons, not professional reasons, but boy, do I feel like a hypocrite. Because I always am promoting, take the time you need, plan for your future, like get things on the calendar to look forward to because we do work so hard. It sounds like that, uh, you know, A plus perspective kind of sticks with us. And that's one of the reasons why we have to support each other in taking breaks for breathing because we want to keep doing awesome things, right? Totally. What And what I really like about vacation here is it can be whatever I want it to be. Like I've taken all different types of vacations. And what I mean by that is sometimes I have the vacation where I literally like turn off the phone and don't check email the whole time. And I know that my colleagues have my back. And then some days like I just want a long weekend. And so I take a day off, but I'm checking my emails just because I, I don't want to, you know, leave people hanging. And I love the variety of that because it's, it's what suits you. Mm-hmm. I have like I've had a public podcast for years, and when I started at Netflix, I kept doing the podcast and I talk about things. And I remember early on when I did that, I, I sent a note to somebody in PR saying, "What should I talk about? What I shouldn't talk about?" And the general guidance was, "Well, d- don't do anything stupid." <laughs> and that was pretty much left like that. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a little bit of talk, mm-hmm. but in general, it was like, "Hey, we trust you. Do a good job." How yeah. how are we functional in that way? It seems it seems risky. 
Well, we lean into risk, I would say, and we, we part of it is that freedom and responsibility culture. So um, we try to make sure that all employees have the right information to make the best decisions for themselves and the business. But we couldn't function if every single person had to come to us to ask permission on every single thing. Like, that's just not scalable. Mm-hmm. So we just try and share as much context as possible so people can have all the information to make the best decisions for themselves and the company. Don, do you see how from someone who's in PR at another company, that sounds insane? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've never worked like this. Yeah. And now it feels like the norm. You know, when I think about like, where would I go from here? I, I, I would have to do my own thing. Yeah. Don and I would have to form our own company yeah. because um, the freedom that you have here is truly a luxury. And I wouldn't want to go back to be confined to what um, what my voice, right? Having a voice at the table, no matter what level I'm at in a company, um, being able to uh, you know make decisions that I believe are in the best interest for the company, working from home if I feel like it's in my best interest, things like that. Like you know, a lot of places are not like that, and I think it's we're lucky to to have that freedom here. And I think back to your question, Lyle, in a lot of places, success looks like everybody comes to you for the answer. Like you want to be the gatekeeper Mm -hmm. of all the information and you want to be giving your thumbs up or thumbs down to everything and giving your seal of approval. And here success to me is only when people have the right context that they're able to make those decisions on their own. Agreed. Like, I don't want to be the person that you have to come to to rubber stamp something. That, yeah. to me, is failure. Like, that's like I haven't set enough context for people to be able to think about stuff in the right way. And really when you think about, like, where we're going and even when I think about how most companies and businesses are like this, I kind of wonder it probably took them longer to get to a place of success than we have because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, when I think about – the freedom that people have to make those decisions, the autonomy. If you were bottlenecking it, I wonder if Netflix would be where it is today if we were that kind, that other company. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And there is risk in it, you know? Yeah. Somebody can always say something or mm-hmm. do something that, um, you know, require us to respond in some way. But I find generally things work out. Mm-hmm. Lindsay and Don, thank you so much for joining Michael and myself on We Are Netflix. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. It was fun. Thanks a lot. See you around. This has been the We Are Netflix podcast. I'm Lyle Troxell, and my co-host is Michael Polson. You can follow us and give us feedback on Twitter at We Are Netflix. Thanks for listening.